edition of Mr. Nice Guy. I'm Ben Slowey. And joining me this afternoon, I've got a very close friend, a comrade in the PSL, the Party for Socialism and Liberation, uh, here with me today. Um, she is a uh, hairstylist. Mm -hmm. um, she's into uh, Mystic Rocks. <laughs> and uh, cat mom. Um, she, uh, she's a, a wonderful human being and um, very excited to have her on the show to talk a little bit about, I don't know, we'll see where it goes. There's a lot of things we could talk about, but we'll see where it goes. We will talk about the PSL uh, specifically though, but um, McKenna Salerno, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm so honored. <laughs> well, I'm happy you you would agree to uh, join uh, join me here, um, considering you know we hang out and organize a lot together. It's it's only right to actually like bring you onto the platform, of course. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Lord knows I can talk a little too much, so. <laughs> well, that's, that's why you're, that's why you're here. Yeah, but it's a good use. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, how's your day going? Good, good. Um, <clears throat> I spent most of the day sleeping in, drinking a lot of coffee, um, reading. I finished one of my books that I've been reading for a bit. I took a nap, um, <laughs> cleaned, and now I'm here. <laughs> Um, well, there you go. That sounds like, uh, an effective, uh, Sunday. Mm -hmm. How about you? How was your Sunday? Um, it was all right, I guess. Uh, I listened to a lot of music today. Um, a very nice man, um, gave me, uh, a bike. Oh. Um, yeah, I had my bike stolen last week, which was unfortunate, but, um, uh, so a guy I know from Facebook um, mm -hmm. offered to give me a new mountain bike, um, and he dropped it off today. Yeah, uh, very, very nice of him. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah. So now, now the bike is gonna stay in my hallway. It will not be locked up on the front railing of my apartment building. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's that's so probably a good idea. Yeah, <laughs> I'm uh, upgrading security. Yeah, <laughs> keep that baby safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that was my day today. Um, but uh, yeah, what what was the book that you finished today? Well, I happen to have it right next to me. Um, Do you? Yeah, it's this book called "Are You Totally Backwards?" Dragon Spawn by oh, Eileen Wilkes. God, that's um, so, that is so <laughs> yeah. It's I I want to say it's like I don't know book twelve or like thirteen in the whole series. It's about an FBI agent who's got some like magic abilities that falls in love with a werewolf and they every book there's a new adventure and in this particular one there's a lot of dragons and a trip to hell um so yeah and I'm actually on to the last book uh in the series so far I don't know if she's gonna write anymore but I just started the last book so we'll see where it goes it ended on a good cliffhanger so oh good good mm -hmm. um do you like um is the next book do you, like is the next book available like can you oh, read the next I literally have it right here <laughs> oh my god <laughs> <laughs> listen when I when I buy these books I always buy them with like the next one in series so like I I try to get as many of them in one go as I can 
um, strictly for that reason because I don't like to wait. Um, so yeah, yeah, I had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you have you have, you have a plan. Yeah, you got yeah. the plan going. Good. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well. Um, well, we talk about McKenna on Mr. Nice Guy. We talk love and fear, passion and creativity. And um, so we first met, I, I knew, like, I had known who you were for a while, just from, like, we were, like, friends on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of randoms. And I, I thought I really liked your, I think I know, like, thought your hair was really cool. Because you've gone with the purple blue hair for so long, mm-hmm. and I knew that you like were River Western, and like you, we had some mutual friends. So I knew who you were for a while. I knew you worked at Cutting Group, and then um, we've met officially um, when you joined. Uh, you weren't even in the PSL at the time, technically. I don't believe, but. Yeah. Um, your, your wonderful roommate, Erica Stibe. Yeah. Shout, <laughs> shout out, um, Orville Peck. Yes, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, she, uh, you're, y'all are, uh, our roommates. Um, and, uh, she was my mentor. I got to know you kind of through her and then from like you joining us during the George Floyd protest at the beginning mm-hmm. of the summer, mm-hmm. we marched a lot together, like mm-hmm. that whole week. Yep. which was um, exhausting, but it was impactful. Yeah. And um, then you had become a member of the PSL, and uh, we went through Canada City together. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, you're getting close to being done, aren't you? Yeah, I forget how many more classes I have. I think only like maybe like five more, four or five more. I think, and I remember, if I remember correctly, the first time – I remember like seeing you in person because like you said um I think we were friends on Facebook for a while I remember I think I remember you adding me and I just added you because you had a bunch of mutuals and usually I'll do that if it's like mutuals I trust like Erica and Bobby and I think Lena might have been mutuals with you my coworker as well so I was like all right cool um but I remember going to PSL did a car caravan that first weekend and you spoke outside of the office um, oh yeah yeah. about the um I think it was about the, was, the evictions right it was canceled the rent yeah 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 that was it uh, yeah that was where we met yeah. yeah yeah and then I think the week after that I I think with it was like I went there as a non-PSL member and then I think within that next week I joined PSL and then I remember picking you up to go to a protest in Bayview and I think that was when we actually like met each other and talked. I remember talking about music with you. I think we were walking across one of the bridges downtown. Yeah, yeah it was fun. Yes, yeah. we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I remember all of that kind of like there there were so many pieces to that. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, we went to you picked me up. I had like just vaguely met you mm-hmm. and you were already like I can give you a lift to this protest because all it was all the way in like Bayview, so you came and scooped me, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, we got a bunch of shit from like Pick and Save, yeah, and then, yeah, and then we uh, went on our merry way and marched. I'm pretty uh, sure that was one of the marches that ended up being like six hours, like or six or seven. Like I remember walking from Bayview down, yeah, down to Shorewood. And then back to Bayview, and it was like a seven-hour march, and I was exhausted by the end of it. It was great. I mean, it was it was a wonderful time, and there were so many people out. But um, 
but it was very tiring. It was. And yeah, we did have um, a lot of small talk as we were uh, marching. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, we did, we did talk about music. Mm -hmm. We also talked about, um, I remember, yeah, we were crossing a bridge and you had mentioned, because we're, you were, uh, you're a hairstylist mm -hmm. and, you know, you work in a salon. So I don't know how we started talking about it. But I remember you told me that I should stop using head and shoulders, which yes. now every <laughs> single time I use it, I think about you saying that. And uh, I'm just trying to get through the bottle so that okay. I can just be, uh -huh. done. Uh -huh. just be yeah. done with it. But then you have to let me know what I'm supposed to use after that because that's all I've ever used to clean my hair. It's so bad. It's so... I. God, I have soapboxes that so many of my clients listen to me talk about. I mean, I talk about um like the chemical components of soap all the time and head and shoulders is one of them where they intentionally make their products um it's it, i always like equate it to like when people found out that chapstick had alcohol in it and they were like the more you use chapstick the more you have to use it because it dries out your lips it's the same concept so the more you use it the worse it actually is for your head um it makes your hair like yours itchier all that kind of stuff you get addicted to it i mean your scalp gets addicted to the alkalinity that's in it um, so when you don't use it, your head feels crazy. And then they're like, ah, oh, we got you addicted. Now you just have to go through the bottle and buy more products. Um, so yeah, I, I got you though. I will, uh, I'll, I'll point you in the right direction as soon as you're done with it. <laughs> Great. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm going to cut that addiction. I'm going to get my head, my scalp, some help, um, give it a little intervention with yep. some, uh, with some more ideal, shampoo yeah. <laughs> um, good idea <laughs> yeah. so mckenna um yeah so i mean we'll, we'll talk about um you know everything that's been going on uh recently mm -hmm. uh, both in the party in the world um you know we have the election coming up this this coming week so that is dreadful um but we will get to all that but first let's take it back a little bit so mckenna um so i my understanding is you moved around a lot growing up right yeah yeah um so by the time i was 11 i moved from california long island new york rochester new york buffalo new york and then when i was 11 we were living in buffalo i moved to um, pennsylvania about like an hour north of philadelphia um we were there for three years and then um yeah like 13 14 i moved from pa to wisconsin um, to McGuanago. So we, um, my, my dad's side of the family and my mom's, both my, both my family, um, or all of my family, I should say, are located on the East Coast. They're all New Yorkers. My dad is, <laughs> is uh, he, was a, he was a Brooklyn boy, um, raised in Long Island. And then my mom um, was raised in upstate New York, outside Buffalo. Forget about it. Forget about it. Forget about it. <laughs> I always say that like that the 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 heavy there's something specific about like Long Island in particular rather than just Brooklyn, but that kind of New York accent is like my internal monologue on a regular basis, and when I drink enough, it comes out, and so. <laughs> but I love it. I love it. It's my favorite thing. Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um. But yeah, yeah. We we moved a bunch because my uh my dad. Um, it switched a lot of jobs. So, um, but we settled finally in Wisconsin. Um, I mean, I moved here when I was summer of 2000, 
sixth, I'm going into seventh grade. Like sure. four, almost 14, if not 14. So yeah, and I moved to Milwaukee about seven years ago. Actually, in another year, I will have officially been in Milwaukee, like living in one place, the longest I've ever lived in my whole life. So like the longest I've ever lived in one place was seven years. So, and that was in the Flanagan. So once I get to eight, it'll be official. I guess technically I'm a Wisconsinite now, but I consider myself an East Coaster at heart, so. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, you're blending your, your childhood. The, the, the demeanor you grew up in, like from childhood mm-hmm. with um, the, the Midwestern uh, uh-huh. uh, politeness. Yep. Uh, which I'm sure is quite a contrast because everyone, uh, because there's like a, a stereotype of people on the East Coast being really uh, hot tempered. Yep. Yeah, definitely along the coast. Like I would say a lot of those cities, they're either hot tempered or they're more so just like they don't give a fuck. Like they're just kind of like, I, I don't have the time in the day to care about you. Um, whereas it's funny because I most of my childhood was in upstate New York. And I always say like upstate New York is is almost one of the same with with Wisconsin. The people are incredibly similar. The weather is incredibly similar. We just got more snow up there than than we do here. Like if we could do without the beyond frigid temperatures of Wisconsin, I'd be fine. But um, I when I lived in Buffalo, one winter we had uh, seven feet of snow overnight. So I woke up and it was like a cartoon. You open up the front door and it's just a wall of snow. Yeah, it's um, like the SpongeBob episode. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, yeah so it's it, a lot of that is very similar to Wisconsin, but more like where my my dad's family they're stereotypical New York Italians, and so where they live, it's like, yeah, it's it, that's like your East Coast like personalities. Where their people are mean. <laughs> a little bit. Again, yeah. they, just don't, they just don't give a fuck. Like they're just kind of like leave me alone. I don't care about you. I don't got time for you. Right. Speaking, by the way, uh, what what are you sipping on this evening? Um, so I made hot apple cider with um some extra spices and Ooh. yeah, and um rum, but I definitely put too much rum. Ooh. In there. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> it's definitely a little strong. Um, and I'm almost done with it, so we'll see where it goes. But. Oh damn! Well, <laughs> I've got a I've got a couple uh, Miller's. Ah. Couple pilsners lined up. All right, all right. No, no hams this time, hey? No hams, no hams this time. Um, well, I get kind of tired of drinking the same beer more than like two weeks in a row. Sure. So um, I had hams like the last two weeks, so I got Miller Lite this week. Just you know, also because a little, I got a little bit more money from unemployment this past week. So, uh, I'll buy just like a slightly more caliber beer. Um, I well, thought about, I literally have like a 12 pack of, uh, River West Stein in my trunk that I thought about bringing in. And then I was like, nah, I'll just make hot apple cider. It's fine. Yeah. Cause like, your... yeah, I was gonna say you with hams is me with River West Stein. Oh, That's sure. my go-to no matter what. It's one of my favorites. Not a bad choice. Mm-hmm. Not a bad choice at all. Um, so McKenna, so, um, you did go to UWM for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, what, uh, I, and you studied, um, psychology, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, like, 
what did you like and not like about college? Um, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, I went to UWM for two years. I, from the time I was 14, when I was a freshman in high school, um, I had met uh, one of my mom's friends and she pretty much inspired me to go the route that I did, which was um, I wanted to become an equine assisted psychotherapist. Um, I've horses? Uh-huh, I've been a horse girl since I was a kid. And so I'm, yeah, but it was basically like yeah, using horses as a form of psychotherapy. Um, I, I would work with her and kind of sit in on some like uh, like public sessions that she did and I was really inspired by it. So she went to UWM, she got her, um, you know, undergrad at, uh, or, uh, in psychology and then went in into therapy. Um, so, I mean, what I liked about it, I guess, was like the freedom of not being in high school and like being like eight, I think it was like 18 to 20 is when I went to college, obviously, those first years. And, um, you know, just being like a young punk ass thinking that I knew what I was doing and and uh, I, I commuted my first year from McGuanago to um, Milwaukee, which was an awful commute, but um, it felt cool because I felt like an adult, even though I still yeah. don't really feel like one. Um, right, you're, you're, you feel like you're driving to like your, your like big adult job, but you're really driving to the training for your big adult job. <laughs> yep, and, the, and everybody knows your first two years are like bullshit years anyway. Um, so, I mean, what I liked about it is I think, I think a lot of people probably feel this way, but less about the actual education and more about the being young and free and like hanging out with my friends on the weekends and like just like, like partying, but I wasn't that big of a partier, but I was. Um, and what I didn't like about it was <laughs> probably everything else. Um, <laughs> like uh, I, had a, I had a moment in my, my sophomore year I was in my second semester and I kind of just like, I mean, my, my dad died when I was 17. Um, I went through my senior year of high school. It was a really hard year. Um, and it was still hard as I was transitioning, um, into college and uh, I was financially on my own pretty much from like 17 on. So, um, I kind of just looked at what I was doing. I mean, I lived, I used to, I lived across the street from UWM. I was above, I was on Kenwood and Downer above the Nebo bookstore. So I would like wake up 10 minutes before class. I would go to class and not give a shit. Um, yeah. So I guess kind of like a, like a, a wake up moment where I was just like, what am I doing? Like I'm literally wasting thousands of dollars on an education that I am not putting effort into. Um, and most of the time I was like going to class stoned as hell because that's just what we did because we were punk asses. So um, yeah, I mean, I think it was just a lot of kind of the, the illusion of grandeur that just started to fade of like I'm in college but like what does that even mean and I'm not applying myself and this is just not fun as far as like the education I wasn't learning psychology the way that I wanted to be learning I knew that that was coming but I wasn't prepared to um keep going yeah so, um, so punk I know. <laughs> which yeah. you're you're right in many cases you know um, people do get kind of uh, indoctrinated with that notion that college is like there is the answer to your success story and it doesn't have to be. Um, that conversation has definitely shifted, um, especially because it is such an investment that haunts you. I, I, I can't even think about all the depth that like, you know, I've accrued yeah. like from 
my four years at UWM. But um, part of me has like tries to have faith that like, man, well, maybe it's it. Maybe I don't, I don't. I won't end up having to worry about it because like we're gonna like we're gonna work towards like you know education reform and yeah. like adopt more progressive policies with it. But with the way things are right now, um, that's not looking too hot. So, <laughs> but yeah, I so now it's like it is like yeah, I've got a you know yeah like. Now I have a degree and everything, which is dope, but yeah. fuck, like, I'm going to be paying this shit off for, like, you know, the next 30 fucking years of my life. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely, and, and we can only dream and hope that we can get to a point where there's some sort of relief. Um, yeah, we have I the mean, chance. We had the chance for that, and we didn't take it. <laughs> you know, second time in a fucking row, we had a chance for it, but, like, whatever, it's fine. But that's actually, that's why, like, um, I have this, well, a little bit less now, but more, because I've been doing hair for five years, and so in, in the last five years, um, any time I had teenagers in my chair, I would talk to them about this kind of stuff, and I would intentionally tell them, like, yo, if you don't know what you want to do, if you're not ready to make the plunge, like, you need to understand how much money you're going to be spending going to school, and, like, it's, like, what your parents won't tell you is it's okay to not go to college. <laughs> like, not only that, but like, um, since going to a trade school and being in the trades, like, oh my God, that was one of the, I mean, best decisions I ever made. I think, I, I mean, I appreciate and, and owe a lot to my experience at UWM that kind of like forced me into really thinking about what do I want to do with my life because I can't keep going to school and wasting this money. I don't have money to waste. Um, and I literally woke up one day and said, let's go to beauty school and then I was like why the fuck would I go to beauty school I don't have a desire to do that um but yeah I mean MHEC is where I ended up going um I got my associate's degree in cosmetology there um love MATC. I scream about them from the rooftops all the time like that place is amazing I mean the education was really wonderful um the teachers were really dedicated to really trying to like help you get through your classes um, the financial aid department was amazing. I mean, you walk in and those ladies are sitting behind the desk and they're like, listen, fill out this form, fill out this form, go over there and sit on the computer over there and fill out that form. And they're just like, boom, boom, boom. They get you through. Um, and it was just, it was just really great. So yeah, whenever I get kids in my chair, I really try to like drive these points home. Cause I wish I had that when I was like in high school, you know? Right. Like we're, we're convinced that, you know, we should enter higher education even if we're undecided for yeah. like the first year or two but yeah. like for for what though you know yeah. like, i mean if you're going to be taking a bunch of bullshit classes and uh, not learning anything about yourself other than how much you hate this yeah uh, is it like you should go to college if you have at least a general idea mm -hmm. of like what direction you want to go in I had a girlfriend, love her to death. She went to UWM for three years. And in her third year, I remember she was doing a, a research paper and she just sat down with me and she's like, McKenna, I don't want to fucking do this. Why am I doing this? She's like, why am I in school? I literally don't care anymore. And I was like, girl, drop out. You don't have to be here. Just because your parents told you you have to go to school, you literally don't have to do this. Um, and she did, but it took her three years of, of an un, undeclared major um, to like really realize that. And I mean, 
we could go on and on about the capitalist machine pushing us into believing that we have to spend thousands of dollars on our education strictly because we feed into you know um the 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 tuition increase and all that kind of bullshit um let alone the fact that you know you're determined by your worth as a member of society and and what you produce is determined by your education level uh it's just fucking ridiculous. And your labor productivity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Meanwhile, so, people go into trades and they make thousands of dollars more um, and, and they're learning a skill that they can have forever. But for some reason, we have this conversation of, of shitting on trade schools and thinking that they suck and they're, they're lesser education. Yeah, yeah. Like, but really, like, those hands-on, that hands-on experience and like the technical skills are what ultimately that's what people look for when they're hiring you like you know in a lot of cases especially like in my field like Mm -hmm. being a journalism student like the internships you know like that's if you had the internships you got jobs it didn't you could take all these you know dope classes and get down all the theory that that you can learn but at the end of the day it's about if you know how to like culminate all of your hands-on skills to mm. the job yeah. so um did you have like an aha moment with like realizing you wanted to do cosmetology um i had two so the first one was um when i was still at uwm and I woke, I literally woke up one day. I remember the summer very well. I was a waitress. I was slaving away at the job. I hated it. I mean, I was a great waitress, but um, I hated doing it. And I just woke up and was like, what if I go to beauty school? And what was funny to me was that I, if anyone knew me at the time, like I didn't do my hair. Like my hair was down to my hips. Like I was living off of baking soda and apple cider vinegar and olive oil like I didn't use products like so I um but but I actually wanted to go into beauty school to do nails um that's how I always tell the story is that when I was in high school I was like a goody two shoes I didn't party so (laughs) on a on a Saturday night you would find me at home doing my nails for two hours um watching Harry Potter right absolutely i had a set of harry potter nails that i did oh hell yeah um but yeah so i um i was like well then i looked into it and uh, cosmetology is a larger umbrella of services so you can do hair skin and nails whereas um you know go to be a nail technician you're just doing nails so i was like well what if i go in for cosmetology and then i can do more services i can make more money um so got into school i mean i was a it was big theater kid in high school i would president of my theater troupe because I was like that big of a theater kid um but I was head of the hair department for three years three years and uh, in high school which means nothing uh, because I didn't know what I was doing but I kind of had a little bit of a background in doing some stuff um so it wasn't until I was on the floor so I graduated um July of 2015 and then I started working for cutting group um in that September and so I, um, I, I, was, I spent my first year, um, uh, one of the best advices that I ever got from one of my coworkers was fake it till you make it. Um, I had no fucking idea what I was doing. I was 
not a great hairstylist at the time. I mean, you aren't when you first start. You have no idea. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, but I got, after my first year, it really sunk in that I was like, damn, I love this. Like once I got the skills down and I started getting better and, um, and lo loving the, the cuts that I was doing, um, you know, I felt great. One, as someone who like has always kind of been a little bit creative. Um, I loved that I got to be a creative outlet every time I was on the floor. Um, and two, my mom, um, she, she laughed when I told her I was going to pursue hair because she goes, honey, you understand that you're still a therapist, right? She's like, you might just be doing hair, but you're still doing therapy. And, and I think any hairstylist that is a, what they call a personality stylist, um, <laughs> like me, um, yeah. knows that that's, that's such a big aspect of it. Um, well, you are, yeah, you're, you're building those personal relationships mm -hmm. as, you know, you're, uh, as you're playing with, uh, the, with the, the follicles on someone's head. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, you get to, you, you get to know all the tea, all the tea oh. gets spilled while you're, while you're you. yeah. I mean, I won't tell you because things are sacred in my chair, but Right. Yeah, I had a problem going out to bars in River West because working in River West for five years, you get to know all the regulars. And, uh, you know, I'd go to a bar and see too many of my clients and be like, crap, I got to get out of here because um, I know too much. Um, but yeah. I, I, I think as somebody who just thrives off of personal connection, I just fell in love with it. I, I, I feel so lucky that um, I just got to do that. And now this is good to be my career. I just left um my full-time job as a manager i managed the west cutting group for four years um and i left my full-time job and decided to become an independent chair renter so now i basically run my own business um at my new salon in walker's point um called salon use fed um and it's it's it was amazing i mean it was it's been terrifying um but because i have so many great um, clients and connections with so many of them. They've followed me. They've paid my bills for the last two months. Um, helped me be fed. Um, but including, including some comrades, right? Yes, absolutely. I like to think of it as collecting Pokemon cards. I'm just eventually going to collect all of the comrades. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's how I am with these podcasts, too. Mm -hmm. I'm, collecting, I'm collecting cards. Absolutely. You got to catch them all, right? Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> if there's one that, I really want to get after. Mm -hmm. I will. I will work towards it. Absolutely. Well, and obviously, you have how many episodes at this point now? I have to make a final count after today because this is my last day recording for a while. But it's got to be getting getting around five hundred. Um, so I've collected a lot of cards. I was just gonna say, yeah, way to go. And. What a, what a valuable card you are. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> I'm definitely uh, a pretty colorful one. Oh, yeah. I'd be a holographic if I'd be anything. Let's be real. Oh, yeah. You're a very striking card. Thank you. Um, yes. No, for sure. Um, well, um, well, that's awesome that, you know, you uh, continued um, mastering and, and perfecting your trade over the last five years and this year became where you took said 
trade into your own hands and mm-hmm. now uh now you're a uh, not being bound to like an organization yeah like obviously you still like work in a salon but mm-hmm. it's dope that like you know you can still um like you just it sounds like you have a lot more creative control now yeah definitely and i wouldn't have made the jump um truly i, I mean it's stars aligned as cheesy as it is to say um being able to to meet uh lisa who's my salon owner and mentor um i only met her because i became friends with her son uh yeah yep shout out to nick um through the um uprisings honestly we we met on uh instagram and started talking literally because of the uprisings and um he kind of pushed me a little bit to meet his mom as having some grievances and so um he kind of like kept putting it out there and then on top of that um my coworkers and um my clients they just were like McKenna like you're not going to fail at this like you can do this like we're here for you we're going to support you but also like you're a talented girl and i was just like see you suck really like you think um and and lisa's been absolutely amazing i mean she's she knows what she's doing she has rebuilt her career a number of times and so um it's been really uh, eye opening and inspiring to be able to work with her um so intimately and and just have a, a mentor that really one on one wants to help me um grow and know how to do it so yeah i, I just feel very very lucky that's awesome. I'm really happy for you that uh, that all you know fell into place for you. Um, can you do my hair sometime? Absolutely. Amazing. <laughs> Gonna hit you up. You know. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll talk about shampoos, and I'll I'll put you in a better direction. Yeah, you you're really gonna have to uh, um, fix my habits here because um, kind of what we were saying. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm I've just been so tied to the product because mm-hmm. it was what my, what my mom got me like mm-hmm. when I was a teenager, like when she would get us shower products. Yep. But um, that was uh, 10 years ago. So I need some, <laughs> I need some new shit. Yeah. I, I, a number of my clients could tell you that we've had these exact conversations and as reluctant as they were the minute that they started switching, they noticed a huge difference. So I promise. I promise it'll be worth it and you don't have to break your budget i only say i'm a cheap ass hairstylist like i don't like to spend a ton of money on stuff but at the same breath um the better quality products that you purchase the less you have to use um and you overall save yourself a lot of money i will also point out real quick head and shoulders the concept that like what always drives me crazy is that everybody's like well i use head and shoulders because I have dandruff and like they say it controls my dandruff. First of all, what a great marketing tool for them that they have been synonymous with dandruff. So the minute someone thinks dandruff, they go head and shoulders. Um, but I, the thing is, is that every single person has dandruff and you don't actually need to use medicated shampoo unless it's the bacterial form of dandruff. And the only way that you know it's bacterial is because it's yellow it's oily and cakey and it smells weird. And that's how you know it's bad dandruff. Otherwise, it's literally just our dry ass heads. And here's the thing, here's the thing, head and shoulders dries the fuck out of your scalp. So when you use it, you think it's helping when in reality, 
that's making it worse and giving you the dandruff in the first place so that you keep using the product. They're so smart. Like Capitalism, drinking, baby. Like drinking a soda uh, when it's hot out. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. Uh, that was something uh, I'm, my mom uh, really tried to like uh, uh, instill in me. You know, that I don't need all the soda and lemonade and shit when I'm thirsty. Yep. Drink, drink more water. Um, yeah. Well, good to know. Well, uh, we, are, we are going to uh, uh, follow up on that. Uh, <laughs> good. So, so, McKenna, um, of course, we'll, we have to uh, now segue into uh, talking about our radicalization. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, I've had a number of comrades on the show uh, already, um, Erica, Bobby, and uh, hopefully more in the future, but it's your turn now. Yay. So, um, yeah, I, so, I mean, I imagine like, you know, it helps to have um, a comrade as your roommate slash best wow. friend. Mm-hmm. Um, probably had something to do with uh, your um, your inception. So I guess I'd love to hear a little bit about uh, how, like where you started finding yourself getting more radicalized prior to actually becoming a member of the PSL. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I feel like, I feel like a lot of my like beginning stages of radicalization became uh, or came from um, being in high school and being friends with all the queer kids in the sense of, I remember like me, our time in high school was still at a time. I mean, it still is. People get bullied all the time um, for all different things and, and especially being queer. Um, but it was really, I mean, I grew up in freaking McGuanic, well, a number of other places, but McGuanic, I went to high school there. And I mean, it's a pretty conservative white small town. And so um you know, I, I got to, I, I was friends with all the queer kids and we um, were, a lot of them were very loud um, and, and proud and got bullied for it. And so I think that's where I kind of started realizing that like, I, I was raised in a predominantly Republican household. Um, and so I just kind of like, I think that's where like, I got a spark for it of just realizing, really starting to realize like, wow, people are, you know, treated differently for a number of of, of their own, you know, the, not even just beliefs, but like living their truth, right? And so I think though I was, I've, I've been very passive. I, I definitely have been one of those kind of stereotypical, like white left-leaning kind of liberal-ish people where um, if I had any radical notions, it was always, like I always felt my own beliefs, but I never spoke about them. I think part of that came from like, um, uh, just not knowing, just being really ignorant and, and not actually understanding the depth of um, marginalization and, and um, racism and just how it affects, we all talk about the system, right? I didn't know the system. I didn't know what it was. I knew aspects of it um, because I also didn't grow up around a lot of people of color either. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I just didn't know. I didn't realize my, my world was very limited. Um, so I think in the last few years, I've just read things on my own, but uh, truly, truly my radicalization, honest to God, came from hearing, I mean, I've known Erica since high school. We, we graduated, well, she graduated a year younger than me, but we were little theater kids together, and, um, you know, I've known her for probably almost 10 years, 
and uh, her partner, Bobby, as I mean, I've met him when she met him. Yeah. Shout out to Bobby Center. Um, but I remember when we started the PSL four years ago, well, the Milwaukee branch of the PSL and um, they would like talk about it and I would like listen, but like kind of like was half an ear open. Um, and actually a couple of my other friends, Kayla DeBacco, who's also a part of the PSL, is another one of my best friends. Oh, yeah. um, our good friend, Al, who um, no longer is with the Milwaukee branch, but has moved to Nebraska. Um, so I started seeing my friends get involved in it. And it really was just like, a, again, just passively watching them do it. Um, so I, I truly just didn't know any better. And, and I, genuinely speaking, what really caused me to look at it was these uprisings. And I feel kind of lame saying that because I'm like, I definitely am one of those people that have like kind of jumped on the bandwagon a little bit. Um, but um, I remember when the uprising started and Bobby and Erica and I would sit around and, you know, be watching live feeds until 3 a.m. and just talking. Like they just, we just had really big conversations. And um, again, we've, I've heard them talk for a couple of years, but that really is what did it. It's just, I just had a switch. I think being in the pandemic, um, being out of work for two months, um, having the ability, I, I kind of let other things in my life um, deflect knowing better right like I'm too busy to do these things yeah. um and so I had nothing going on I had nothing to be busy about and it just clicked and I was like no like I have too many people in my life that are my chosen family that are way I mean yes I'm a queer person but that are way more marginalized than I am that deal with oppressive systems a thousand times worse than I could ever possibly imagine and that I care about. And I really sat down with myself and I was like, if I sit here and want to try to call myself an ally um, to these people uh, that I love, like I have to do better. And, and part of that is educating myself and part of that is putting my money where my mouth is and doing something. Um, and so, yeah, I just, I think I went to like one, I mean, I went to that the car caravan and from there on out, I was like, no, I want to do this. I, I need to be a part of something. and and I never felt like I fit in Democratic or Republican worlds um, because I just didn't. Um, I always called myself like liberal leaning without really knowing what that means. Um, but now I'm definitely proud to be a socialist and, and constantly learning. I mean, I, again, I feel a little bandwagony, um, but I know that this is just the beginning of my own radicalization and that um, I'm constantly challenging old um, thought patterns or just like old things that I just didn't know better, you know, that we're trying to remove that, that frame of ignorance um, and just push myself to really listen um, and, uh, and just to try to do something, try to help people. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm, that's awesome. I mean, good for you for taking that leap this year. And that's very commendable and powerful um and it's never too late to i mean well i mean it's better to of course we want everyone to join tomorrow you know that yeah. great but like it's always but <clears throat> it's always important to acknowledge like you know we, we talk about it in some candidacy classes about how like you know not everyone is meant to be a comrade like you know or, or is you know emotionally or physically 
or mentally available for you know the the um for, for the for the effort and the energy that it takes to be uh, an active member of the PSL and uh, and that's important to remember you know and like and I, I mean I was I'm honestly like I'm I was very much in a similar boat to you like I was always more left leaning but you no know, I just I didn't feel like I wanted to belong to a bigger organization because yeah. yep. like I felt like I was very much like you know what if I think something like slightly different mm -hmm. than like what the what this ideology is just like what if um you know I just want to like be able to think for myself and uh, draw my own conclusions from things based on the information that I I receive and uh, it wasn't until joining the PSL where it, there was an actual ideology that connected all of the dots without holding back on like any compromise you know and like kind of just having a very like um comprehensive um solution that is very incremental it doesn't happen overnight we it views reforms not as end goals but as checkpoints um but not so idealistic like anarchism might be where it's like oh yeah no government government is inherently oppressive when that's you know it, that really makes no sense at all yeah. um like there's an actual system of yeah. government that can actually solve the people's needs and and really like you know instill a worker's state yeah. um and uh finding that was such a fresh a breath of fresh air because yeah. you could probably like relate to this is like it's it just became really hard to identify with the democrats because like they claim they're you know progressive and like you know anti-republican and shit but then like they don't follow through on a lot of things or they they only make um slight improvements to things so yeah. that's why i joined too I, I agree, and I think, um, yeah, I really resonate with the notion that, like, um, like backpedaling a little bit, but you were, like, initially saying, like, this idea of, like, you know, we talk about it in PSL in these classes, but, like, like individualism, that, like, we get stuck on these ideas, these concepts that, you know, we as individuals have our own priorities, or, like, I'm not going to agree on this 100% because this is how I feel. Um, and, and, and I think that gets people stuck and, and makes them feel complacent or just that they don't either, either complacency by not doing anything or, um, ignorant because they're not trying to learn any further. Um, and so I think, um, you know, one of the things that I, I, I really like listened to when the uprising started was this idea of, um, really like listening to black people and, and listening to to what what they really like it's like one of those where it's like right like we didn't learn enough in high school and we didn't learn enough about all those kinds of things and and for me if again if i want to call myself an ally to my black friends like i have to remove myself from this idea of, of this individualistic notion and listen to what my community especially living in milwaukee 
fifteenth most segregated city in the entire country. Like, listen to what my community needs, and and like actually like doing something, or not maybe just doing something about it, but like, but challenging my ignorance. Um, you know, like as a white person, it is kind of our job to help up, uplift and support um, black people and their voices. And it just felt like things like the Democratic Party doesn't do that, doesn't uplift um, black people. It doesn't actually, and, and we know this as socialists and we know this because we talk about it all the time, but it's because they have to be complacent in capitalism because they're just as owned and ruled by corporations as, as Republicans are. And so um, that's where it was like, you learned so much, like really, I think too, one of the, the upsides of joining PSL was the education breakdown of really being like, no, like this is, this is how our system of government works. And here are all the myths of all of these other places that you have been told your entire life are worse than us when in reality, they're, they're not. Right. Uh, or, or they have, you know, we do it all the time too, where we talk about um, um, uh, uh, critiquing uh, certain communist uh, countries and, and the idea that it's like, but these are things that they've done that actually work. Right, um, versus, you know, what American exceptionalism has led us to believe about, like, what those countries were like, or, you know, what socialism actually is. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like Democrats just love to point out why the Republicans are the bad guys, why they all suck, and then they'll throw us a few little crumbs and say, here you go, we gave you gay marriage like five years ago, you know, yeah. but we're still not going to give you universal health care and we're still not going to, you know, um, give you any sort of like medical relief to your like bills. We're not going to give you any sort of like free tuition, like nothing like that, right? We're um, not going to do any, you know. We're, we're, we're going to still build weapons of mass destruction. We're still going to fund the police just as much as we always have. Yeah. We're still going to fund wars. We're still going to be in bed with Israel. We're, we're still going to co-opt actual social justice movements with, you know, these massive billion dollar corporations yeah. and just make it profitable. Yep. And we're going to target black people and make sure that they right. are all criminalized and we paint this notion of who they are and we're going to throw them in jail for petty crimes and we're going to make their stay super like all those things right and, and part of my ignorance is like not really understanding um again they do such a good job of painting republicans as the evil twin right um, but but it's just like it's like watching um it's like watching the wwe you know, it's like watching a fucking stage act that both, both uh, parties rehearsed before they came on stage. That's exactly what the debates feel like. Yeah. It feels so fucking performative and like just a waste of time, a waste of energy. That, that can't just be, you know, the, uh, the climax of yeah. your uh, civic action. Yep. And... That's because you're going to vote, and if your candidate wins, you're just going to go back to being comfortable and think you did enough for the day and think that, you know, you did God's work. Yeah. But at the end, but there's still going to be kids locked in cages uh, along the, the Mexican border. There's still going to be dro bombs dropped in the Middle East. 
there's still going to be black people murdered by the police. There's still going to be uh, trans folks that um, are that like aren't allowed to use the bathroom that uh, they that of their choosing. Yeah, the there's still going to yeah. there's still going to be uh, attacks against Jewish people, against Muslims, poor people that are struggling to keep a roof over their head and feed their families. And you think you did enough just because you cast one ballot towards a candidate that you're not even totally convinced is going to save us all. So that cannot be like, and when you get radicalized and you, you know, you learn Marxist theory and you, you know, start really like dissecting capitalism and how it needs the bipartisan system, Mm -hmm. the Democrats and the Republicans in competition with one another to keep itself intact then you just see through all of that you see through all of like that like well at that point it's like voting is pseudo symbolic i mean yes we all do it but it's also like you know how much is it actually going to like make the world a better place no matter who we have in like yes you know and i will you know, fully disclosed. I mean, I had to think about it for a while, and, but I ultimately did choose to vote for Joe Biden yeah. just because I, my reasoning was only literally because I felt he might marginally help folks during the pandemic right now with a little bit more relief than they are getting right now under Trump. Yeah. Like the immediacy of the situation. Yeah. Um, that was pretty much the only reason why I did vote for Biden. Otherwise, I would have voted on Gloria Lariva entirely because she's everything that I want in a candidate, as well as what you want in a candidate, what all of us actual radicals want. So, um, or I should say all of us socialists want, but, but like, I wasn't happy. I wasn't pleased. I wasn't like, you know, like uh yearning to like vote for joe i just did it and got it over with and put it behind me and didn't want to think about it but you know what i can't stop fucking thinking about it because i'm still getting voting mail every single you know and And i get frustrated too because of two reasons one being that the amount of people that are on my facebook that are shaming others for you know did you vote yet have you voted yet like all that kind of stuff like please do not lay on my laptop um they're the same people that once this election's over, it's going to feel like we did it. We're fine. Everything's going to be fine and dandy. We're going to be okay. We're going to hold the Democrats accountable. And I just look at it and I'm like, y'all just want this to be done and over with so that y'all can go back to being complacent with the same damn system that we're a part of without actually asking and, and demanding and trying to push for more change. And, and so that's, that's part of it. And the other frustration that I have is that, we only come out on this level of intensity of voting for presidential elections. And we don't talk about the, the things that directly affect our community. I think of, for example, for example, um, you know, the, in, in April, right, we had our, our midterm election. Um, we voted for our mayor and um, uh, Lena Taylor, was on the ballot and um you know there wasn't enough conversation at that time to really know better 
um, Tom Barrett ended up winning. And yet here we are with Lena Taylor, our, who is also our senator, um, going out in the streets. She's being gassed. She's being shot at. She, I mean, she's a woman of color. She is literally like with the people listening to their demands, right? And yet we have Barrett, who is allowing the uh, National Guard to come in to do all of this gassing, to do all of to shoot all of all of the people who are just asking for justice in this fucking city. But he's a Democrat, right? So he's supposed to have our best interest at heart. Barrett and, cares more about making the Milwaukee Bucks look more. Oh my God. Yeah. Than he does about keeping people housed during. Yeah. The- exactly. And so it's just like, it just frustrates me because we come all out in force for this presidential election. And we talk about this being more important. Whereas in, in my opinion, and I think a lot of other people feel this way too. Um, I think the, 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 what makes the more direct effect in our community, yes, obviously the president has a lot of effect on us as Americans, we know this, but what makes direct effects on our community are our local you know, uh, uh, seats in office. And so we go ham for the election and then we don't give a single shit about any of these midterms and we don't talk about any of them. And it's just like, you know, the, the big one that we had that people did kind of have some sort of um, similar intensity about was when um, we voted Scott Walker out of office and got Tony Evers, right? Like that was a big deal for a lot of people, but also a lot of people really didn't know at all. And so it's just like- What does it, it actually affect yeah. when like, depending on who wins the elections locally, like what is, you know, what does it affect like in our on the ground out here in our community? And yeah, like you said, I mean, people just focus so much on the highest caliber of electoral politics and not, you know, just on a small scale where we're talking about things like gerrymandering and gentrification and police brutality in our own neighborhood and poor infrastructure and uh, the stuff some of the stuff that bobby is even working on right mm-hmm. now with get the let out yep. like, even if you have the president that you voted for like that's not gonna affect a lot of the stuff that's happening right down our fucking street like the president yeah. doesn't give a fuck right like you know like so and i think that there just needs to be a broader and easier way to um like and I think this should come up in like kind of in public education a lot more where there's just a more comprehensive, you know, understanding from a younger age where people can actually learn about in school about how like electoral politics work and, you know, how local politics, state politics, national politics, international relations, like that's, I don't know how it was like at, in your high school, but like that shit was all like very obscure electives that not yeah. a lot of people took. Like you could take it, you could take those classes in college, but I, I think it should just be in the same way. I think they should be teaching LGBTQ plus uh, history and issues in public school. They should be teaching how to like actually engage in the electoral process, yeah. you know? 
but they yeah. don't want us to know. They want us to be confused about yeah. it oh, yeah. because it, it makes it easier for them to control everything. Absolutely. Absolutely. Keep the, it keeps their narrative going. I mean, ignorance is exactly what they want. They want ignorance and complacency because it allows capitalism to keep running. Um, you know, if we got too smart, like what would we do? And that's, um, you know, that's why I'm, I'm glad to be in a political party that actually provides the education. Um, but also I feel like a lot of the things that we've done and especially in the, in the, um, uh, you know, things that we've, we've done this summer here, the events that we've done have all been kind of centered around helping to debunk social socialism and, um, uh, and, and give some of that education to the community and really being like, yo, we hear you. We, we know this is what you, you want. This is what you need. This is what we all need. Right. Cause at the end of the day, we're, we're all a part of the working class. You add different levels of marginalization to it and people there is a kind of tier, right? Like as a white person, yes, I'm of the working class. As a woman, um, you know, I've, I've had that, not against me, um, but you know, I'm a, I'm a woman, I'm a, of the LGBTQ community, um, but I still have so many more privileges than other people do, right? People of color do. And so, but but we, we, we play these games of, um, well, capitalism plays these games of pitting us against each other instead of realizing that we all as the working class have to be together to, in order to all fight. I mean, we say it in the streets all the time, but like um, all lives can't matter until black lives matter, right? Because like black people are the ones that are being um, the most uh, brutalized and, and attacked and um, suppressed and oppressed and all of those things. And so it's like, we all cannot get liberation until we work at like the bottom rung and work our way up and and um you know like i said i'm, I'm happy to be in a political party and i'm i'm happy to constantly be forced to have to think about these things and restructure how i've been taught the way the world works and how i've been taught to see the world and and change how i view that um, and I think every candidacy class, I'm I'm constantly getting a different idea um, of of really just constantly doing the work um, to to just you know keep radicalizing myself and to keep these conversations going. Um, and and all the more reason too that I'm I'm glad to be in a group, a the PSL, but also that works with a lot of organizations in Milwaukee, because for me personally, um, you know yeah we can talk talk the big talk with you know voting and whatever for president and yada yada but at the end of the day it's like okay then what so for me i know that you know whether joe or trump doesn't matter who wins because we're going to us tpr um marper uh dsa like frso all of these organizations here in milwaukee are going to keep fighting and i want to be a part of that in any way that i can and also support it um, support the voices of all of, of all the people involved in it because um, because that that ultimately affects where we live and the people that I'm surrounded by and the people in this community um, bringing it back home to where we are um, you know at, at this point I really don't not that I I mean yes I care who wins but I really don't care because it's not going to make too much of a difference in my it's opinion to stop anything we do yeah and it goes all back to talking about never being comfortable, never mm -hmm. settling for, if we didn't get what we asked for, like, not just like saying, hey, well, we got this, it's not everything we wanted, but it's something, so we're just gonna go home and- Yeah, 
be yeah. be satisfied. Like, no, like that's never like that will never be a roadblock to our revolution. Yeah. And hopefully and, I will say hopefully these next four years, regardless of who wins, that we can keep pushing people like Gloria Lariva and that we can keep bringing her message to everybody around, not just here, but I mean, you know, PSL is in 46 of the 50 states. Like, we are everywhere. And so if we can keep pushing this idea that, like, yeah, I get it. Sure, this election's not the election to vote third party, whatever. But, like, okay, cool. So then why don't we do it the next election? Why aren't we pushing for that change? Why aren't we doing that? Or ranked choice voting. I'm a firm, I believe, I'm a firm supporter of ranked choice voting. I think it would be substantially more democratic and more representative to everybody and not just like voting on something based on like who you don't want to win on the other side. Yeah. So, and also I, I do want to point out that, you know, um, I like, I know you said earlier that you, you felt like you jumped on the bandwagon, but it's not a bad thing at all because you think about it this way. You could have just jumped on the democratic bandwagon like everyone else does and it, as we've been saying, like, and just be comfortable and be, and just do the bare minimum and call it a day and then live your life comfortably, not questioning anything else. But you're choosing not to do that. You are choosing to actively be a part of a revolutionary socialist party, a vanguard party that, like, yeah, you might not know, like, everything right off the bat and, and it takes a while to connect all the dots. And, you know, I felt the same exact way since I went through candidacy too. Like I'm still learning even as a full member now, like I, like we are constantly like going to be uh, acquiring new knowledge and learning more about what did work and what doesn't work. And I think that being in a socialist party right now, and asking for more than we've ever been granted as the people um, is a way better bandwagon to jump on than that party. Yeah. So I'm proud of you for doing so. And I, 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 I feel, I mean, I feel the same way, you know, sometimes I feel like, man, like, I don't like, I don't read like books about socialism. I don't read like books about history and like, I read things on the internet. Like I read articles or like, you know, I've read liberation news, you know, the candidacy classes are, are like, they do give you like a pretty general basic history of like what we do and stuff, mm-hmm. but there's still so much I don't know. Yeah. And I'll see stacks of books that our comrades have and I'll envy them to like where they've acquired like, you know, all of this application of socialism and theory and stuff. And I'll be like, man, I fucking wish that like I knew what they were talking about when they're yeah. talking about it. Like it's but, important to know like the basics and have your foundation. That's what's important right now. And I, and I think on that too, I think, um, it becomes really daunting for a lot of people, especially um, especially people that didn't have access to education, higher education at all. Um, I think a lot of people get get really, um, it, it's a daunting concept to try to think about um, studying things like socialism theory 
um, and, and stuff like that. And I think that pushes a lot of people, right, and talk about individualism, where they have the belief, like, this is how I felt. I had the beliefs. I, I had these notions. I, I knew um, that I wanted better for, for all kinds of people. Um, but I didn't, like, know much further than that. And I think the thing that, that drives me crazy is that there's so many of us that in reality want things that socialism gives. They, they know it. They, they inherently want them but they don't know and understand because they don't know the theory um, because A, we're not taught it or B, they didn't have access to it. Um, and so it's just like, we, we all, we really do. We all want this. We, we, we do. We just don't realize it. We're not given the tools to know just yet. And so all I can hope for moving forward, I've said this since Trump was elected, is that the only thing I will ever give that man any amount of credit for, and it's not just him, let's be real, but he was a cat, a large catalyst, was provoking the conversation to start. Four years ago, there's, there was so many more people that started questioning their beliefs and their ideals than there ever was prior to. And now here we are four years later, and there's so many more young people, oh my God, young people that are, are like jumping at the bit and they just, they, they, want to demand more and they're getting that education and access to that in a way that we didn't have and I you know provide the internet for that and again it's not all Donald Trump there's so many other things around it but him being such a caricature um really really pronounced up for a lot of people and so all I can and, and things like the PSL things like the other socialist orgs things like the grassroots orgs here in Milwaukee um that that have popped up those are the things that give me hope because you're seeing people being moved to create movement. And that, at this point, is like, that's what I'm focusing on. That's, you know, we talk about this existential doom and dread that's looming over our heads for the next couple of days. I mean, it has been for a long time, and we're all very numb to a lot of it, both because of the pandemic and because of the election and because every single fucking week, knock on whatever, everything gets fucking worse. Um, and I have like this tiny little bit of hope just because of the things that I'm seeing in our community. I mean, all over the country, but in our community specifically, um, that make I, me feel like people are, have, have started to wake up more. What has been the most impactful thing you've ever either learned or experienced since joining the PSO? Mm, um, one's, uh, two things. One's a little more personal and one is a little, um, I guess, more general. Um, <clears throat> learning that when we say, um, you know, we're fighting the system um, and things like that, knowing what the system is and calling it for what it is, which is capitalism, um, that I think was one of the most, like, mind-blowing things ever. Um, understanding that the system is not broken. It's not it's operating in the exact capacity that it's meant to be operating. This was structured this way for a reason. Yeah. Um, and so really learning that, I, I said that I have said this a lot in, in my personal life, but um, once the veil like that has been lifted, you can't unsee it. So you see it in every aspect of everything that you do. Um, so I think that was a really big, uh, it's just a big thing that really kind of, yeah, just um, hit home for me. And then I think the other thing, and this is a little bit more like of a personal note, um, 
so my I, I've mentioned this to you outside of um, it, just in outside of here in this zoom call um, but uh, so my uh, family my my mother's father's family comes from Ecuador um, my papa came here when he was 17 um, he was an immigrant in the early 50s I believe and um, he came from a large family um, and they all still live in Ecuador and his cousin so my third cousin um, Osvaldo Guayasanin I grew up on his artwork um, and I have been trying to do more research it's very minimal but um, I've always known that he was very close with Fidel Castro um, he was very close with Fidel Pablo Neruda and um, Pablo Picasso, because um, he was a painter himself. And um, he's very well known in Ecuador. He's, his house was turned into a museum for all of his artwork. I mean, you go down there and the Guayasanin name is very, very well known. And um, I kind of didn't know more than that. And then taking the Cuba class and learning about Fidel and learning about the revolution and finding out that it's funny because I've heard more stories from my family that um, make me question a little bit of Osvaldo and where his his um, radicalization lies. But um, but it was really cool to feel like uh, I mean he was he was a big um, supporter for Fidel. He he provided um, uh, finances to help with the movement um he there's a big story that in, in any of the wikipedia articles you look about him that um really he had three different big phases of his artwork and in his second phase is where he i forget what they called it but um that he painted these very expressionistic um uh, portraits of indigenous people in um ecuador and um and and the pain and the suffering that they were going through at the hands of the government. And so um, his, his, one of his best friends when he was a teenager was killed in the, um, the coup in 67. And so um, that really sparked this really big uh, movement for him. And so anyway, finding out that, um, I mean, there's literally a picture of, there's multiple pictures of Osvaldo with Fidel um, and hanging out, smoking cigars, but also um, he painted a portrait of him and they're like standing next to it. and. Um, so it was cool to, to feel like there was some uh, radicalistic uh, socialist communist family members of mine. Um, that is really dope. Yeah, I wish I knew more. There's not a lot of information about him. Um, and the books that I have found are all in Spanish. And I unfortunately don't speak Spanish um, and they're expensive. But one of these days, um, I would love to go down there and really just talk to my family and just find out more about him and just find out like where, um, what his political beliefs were so that was cool that was about yeah that was just a fun it was a cool class and it really made me like my, my papa didn't talk about where he came from and he um assimilated very quickly so for me that was like the most that i kind of spent doing deep dives trying to find out about my family so that was cool it hit different mm -hmm. yeah definitely yeah that's that's that is really awesome i remember when you did tell me that story and that is pretty like so profound yeah you know, your family has roots and you know or has like your what was it you, you said grandfather my grandfather's cousin yeah oh, okay grandfather's cousin had acquaintance with these 
socialist leaders. Yeah. Pretty awesome. I, I just found an article recently about Picasso and that he was definitely a giant communist. And so I was reading that and I was like, literally, like Oswaldo studied with Picasso before Picasso died. So it was just like, shit, I want to believe that Oswaldo was also a little communist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just like us. <laughs> uh, well, McKenna, thank you so much for being on the show today, um, joining me to talk about hair mm-hmm. and talking about our radicalization, about college, about the PSL, about, you know, what's going to happen next after this election. By the time this is out, you know, the election's going to be over. We're going to know what happened. I, but, I was thinking about that today. I'm going to be very interested to see how this conversation ages. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see. But. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that it, it was a lot of, like, objectively, like, you know, big ideas that you could apply to, like, no matter what the outcome of the election is. So, um, so as we're closing out here, McKenna, uh, tell me what keeps you up at night. Lord, that's a loaded question. Um, I'll try to keep my answer short. Um, right now, as of probably the last, like, eight or nine months, um, literally existential dread. Um, so the impen- what feels like the impending doom of, of the world. I mean, it's, you know, we, I can sit here and talk about um, what we're, that it's not gonna stop, you know, no matter what happens, it's not gonna stop my movement, but it's terrifying. I mean, I, myself and everybody else, I mean, we're all incredibly scared, um, especially cause we, we here in Wisconsin have seen, we know Kenosha, um, and, and we've seen a small snippet of what could come of, of these, these militant alt-right groups that are completely capable of, of going at war. And so genuinely speaking, it is this fear that we're going to see some sort of um, a civil war that could kind of happen as a result. Again, it doesn't matter who wins. Um, so that's part of it. Um, uh, I would say... Um, a little soft-hearted answer is probably way, way, way too much. Um, British game shows keeps me up at night. And a more literal answer. I will watch hours because it feels good. It's what makes me laugh. Um, so a little bit of that. And uh, I, I also, you know, 2 a.m. hits and you start thinking about the world and the people in it. And... Um, I care for a lot of people. I got a lot of love for a lot of people. And so there's a lot of a lot of that that goes in my brain at night where I'm just like, damn it, I hope everybody's okay. Um, so yeah. You got a big heart. Appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> what puts you to sleep? Ooh, honest answer, weed. <laughs> of course. Smoking. But also, um, what about uh, Katie Snuggles? Right? Yes kitty snuggles when they're being cute they they snuggle the most when i'm home alone so either that's erica and bobby are here but um the door shut because bobby's allergic um or um erica's gone for the night and um both the cats will fall asleep with me that's that house for me to sleep um also british game shows <laughs> yeah <laughs> keeps you up but it also knocks you exactly yep thank you so much for being on the show my I appreciate you having me. Thank you for 
for letting me be one of the last ones. Um, I'm excited to uh, continue fighting this this battle with you, uh, you and the comrades by my side. We'll we'll see what happens in a couple of days. And... Yeah, I'm really happy uh, to be fighting alongside you for a better world, uh, McKenna. And uh, yeah, here's to doing that together. You know, no matter whatever that takes. So uh, for everyone watching, uh, join the PSL, or at least come to our events. Come have a conversation. Read we, some liberation we, news. <laughs> watch some breakthrough news. You know, if you don't want to read, if you want to have someone talk to you. Right. Let yeah. us know. Yeah, come talk to us. Thanks for watching, Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.